0: My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It seems to me that we are in the middle of things. Call it liminal space. Call it in-between time. Call it, nobody has a clue what is coming next. I don't know about you, but I do not love this feeling. I am a planner. I like to know the plan and do the plan and carry out the plan and look back on the plan and think, there, that was the plan. But by the time you factor in a COVID pandemic that mutates its way into perpetuity, a racial reckoning long overdue but simmering now with a less clear path forward a literal crisis of democracy and consistent attacks on the right to vote, and a red-hot economy that's still careening from the shocks of the past two years, there are a lot of things we do not know. It seems we are in the middle of things. But what if we go deeper, beneath the headlines, beneath other people's lives? What are you in the middle of? in your life. Perhaps a phase in your relationship is ending and a new one feels ready to be born. Maybe you're eager for a new relationship to start. Maybe your kids or your grandkids are growing now on the cusp of big changes. Maybe your financial plan is different than it was. You might wonder if it's time for a career move or retirement or later retirement. Personally, I wonder what church will look like over the next few years. I hope we come back together in numbers like we used to so that we can be nourished together and enjoy one another's company and be difference makers in the world. And I don't know when or whether that will happen, and I wonder about that. You know who else was living in the middle of things? Mary. Pregnant, teenage, Mary, who today has gone off in great haste to see her cousin Elizabeth, do you ever feel like God comes to you in all the wrong ways, and often at the wrong time? In this case, an unmarried immigrant gets pregnant with nothing but a promise from the Holy Spirit. As Barbara Brown Taylor observes, the only thing that is absolutely sure in this scenario is that we have a partner who is with us and for us and who wants us to have life. Mary's trust in that fact is really all she has. And so if there are any big changes going on with you right now, if something is underway you can't predict the end of, and your stomach is rolling with your own particular version of morning sickness, then you might try following Mary's lead. Who knows? Maybe the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Maybe that shadow hanging over you is the power of the Most High. Well, it would certainly be nice to have some details about how it will all turn out, that is not really necessary, is it? You know how God has acted in the past." End quote. So I want to explore Mary's song with you this morning with an eye toward these in-between times naming that her story is not our own, but one that might be like our own. How might we follow Mary's lead? My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for God has looked with favor on this lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me. And holy is God's name. I love Mary's exuberance. It flies in the face of logic because she is terrified as she should be. But it is also true to her. She literally magnifies the Lord. Which you think about a magnifying glass, it is to say that God increases and she decreases. And there's wisdom for us here. When we don't know what to do, when we're in the middle of things, You might start by praising God, finding things that spark authentic joy, and remembering that God is both great and good, which is to say that God is powerful and strong, but also loving and kind and tender. How might you wake up each morning singing your particular version of this song? Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. You know the song, right? I have adapted that song for the animals. Uh, uh, the Lord said to Herbert to please stop the barking, barking. And <laughs> the Lord said to Poncho that you already had breakfast. Because he meows me at But the, I like that song. It's a good way to start the day. Something like that. Your particular version of, of a song or a poem or a book or a place to go to remind you that God fills you with a sense of joy that the world cannot overcome. I'm still in awe of Mary for greeting news of this pregnancy with a praise song for the day. But I guess she is the mother of our Lord. But still, she's a wonderful model of how we might live in these in-between times. From generation to generation, she says, noting that God's mercy has never failed, from Abraham and Sarah all the way to little old her, And I spent some time during the pandemic listening to some of the great preachers of the past century. And one of the things I've noticed about the civil rights preachers, like King and Thurman and others, is that when they are gearing up for the grand finale, they want you on your feet because we're going out the door for a march. Do you know what they do? They recite a litany of God's saving deeds. They tell of Moses leading the slaves out of Egypt with old Pharaoh hardening his heart and giving chase. That's in Birmingham, King talked about that. They remind you of the promised land and prophets like Amos who call for justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. It might not be in the lectionary, but it is in the collective memory. And they see their work in the great line of God's struggle for justice. That is the most hopeful thing they knew to tell us. The story of God's saving deeds, God's work for justice and compassion and love in the world. I think Mary is doing something similar. I wonder what part of this story speaks to you, sparks your curiosity, leans you in today. As you seek to understand your role and as I seek to understand mine, maybe even a slightly new role in God's work of reconciliation and restoration. For me, what stands out today in my own version of in-between times, in the middle of things, is the reminder to revel in God's goodness, to find joy in the source of all being, especially when I don't know what comes next. In many ways, this Magnificat is Luke's thesis statement. Mary's song sets the scene for Jesus' ministry. You know, Greco-Roman biographies often start with just such an omen. They're telling you what this person's going to be like just before they're born. Put simply, Jesus got his ideas about the poor and the hungry and the meek being blessed from Mary, who taught him that God dreamed of a different world where all life flourishes through justice, compassion, and love. And Mary's song is no call to violence, but it certainly scatters the proud in their conceit. Indeed, the Guatemalan government authorities banned this text in the 1980s, calling it subversive and dangerous. And that's a predominantly Roman Catholic country. So can you imagine saying to a bunch of Catholics, you can't say the Magnificat in all those glorious churches across the countryside of Guatemala? But that attempt for the darkness to cover the light shows us just how much lightning crackles inside this text. So it is that Mary thunders on, meek and strong. God has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich will be sent away empty. Barbara Taylor again. She is no longer singing the song, the song is singing her. As a scandalized teen becomes an articulate radical, an astonished prophet singing about a world in which the last have become first and the first last, she is singing about it ahead of time, not in the future tense, but in the past. As if the promise had already come true. Prophets almost never get their verb tenses straight. Because part of their gift is being able to see the world as God sees it, not divided into things that are already over and things that have not happened yet, but as an eternally unfolding mystery that surprises everyone. Now, nerd alert. Let's talk about these verb tenses, which are so fascinating. The English translation is the perfect tense. For example, you have scattered the proud, implying a past action that continues in the present. But the Greek verb tenses are even more powerful than that, and we don't have an English equivalent. They're gnomic aorist verbs, and that's fascinating. They're actions that have been completely completed in the past. And they are habitual, daily, regular actions, like looking with favor on Mary, which I'm pretty sure God still does. So for these reasons, scholar Wes Allen calls the Magnificat a paradoxical prophecy. It speaks of a future God will bring in through the yet-to-be-mourned Messiah using past tense verbs. Mary is naming God's mighty deeds in the past as completed facts while at the same time proclaiming that God still does those things now, as if God had said, been there, done that, still doing that. So, Mary's faith is grounded in the past, present, and future promises of God, and that is why I think there's a word for us here in the text this morning. She sings on, God has come to the help of this servant Israel, for God has remembered the promise of mercy, the promise made to our forebears, to Abraham and Sarah and their children forever. How stunning that a young girl, faced with danger and a life of unexpected turns, would draw on Israel's sacred story to remember God's saving deeds of old, to remember that God is still doing those things. Fred Craddock reminds us that Mary calls us to stand expectantly at hope's window. To trust in the promises of God because that is all we have. And that is all she has. If you find yourself in the middle of things, consider writing your own Magnificat this week before Christmas. What Hope do you hold tenderly, close to your heart? How might God surprise you, turning your world upside down? What is the single greatest thing you could say about God? How has God shown up for you, even when you were afraid? How has God moved in your life, turning the tables of your expectations inside the temple of prescribed norms? you were faced with a surprise on Mary's scale, whose house would you go to? What would you say? Standing expectantly at Hope's window, what song would you sing? Amen. <laughs>